Hello and welcome to the Stand Up Marketing Podcast, where in each episode we'll be showcasing and exploring a different area of tech marketing. We'll be talking with experts who share their experience, insights, and most importantly, provide you practical ideas that can be applied to your marketing strategy today. Tech marketing continues to evolve at a tremendous pace. It's often misunderstood and has a habit of taking itself too seriously. So join us as we tackle those issues and reveal what works, what doesn't, and how marketing drives revenue growth in tech. This is Richard Wright from Stand Up Marketing, and in this episode, we're going to be looking at all things PR. PR is often one of the first marketing activities that SaaS companies undertake, and done right, it can play a massive role in elevating your brand, positioning your product, and underpinning growth. But if the strategy is not thought through and you're not careful, it can become an expensive, time consuming exercise. My guest is Victoria Usher, CEO and founder of Ginger May PR, who I've had the good fortune of working with numerous times over the last decade. And I'm not exaggerating when I say there are a few people who know tech PR better than her. Founded by Victoria in 2010, Ginger May is a multi-award winning B2B PR and integrated communications agency specialising in data, ad tech and martech clients. Similarly, uh, Victoria is regularly recognised as a PR leader and innovator. I mean, every time I'm logging into LinkedIn, she seems to be announcing a new award. Uh, so in short, when it comes to PR, she knows her onions. So in this conversation, we discuss when is the right time to undertake PR, when's the wrong time, what are the mistakes that can happen along the way, and how can it give your brand wings? Uh, Victoria, thank you for taking time off from accepting awards to come and speak with us today. Thanks, Richard. Too kind. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, are you well? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, recovered from Christmas. Looking forward to a very strong 2023. Good news. <laughs> well, let's just jump straight into it. Um, obviously, we're talking about um, PR today and, and you know how uh, tech and SaaS organisations can make best use of it. Um, the key thing is when is the right time to engage a, a PR agency or some kind of PR activity? And, you know, also as importantly, you know, when is uh, when is the wrong time? It is absolutely critical um, that you get the time right. And the reason is because it can be actually very detrimental to a business if you don't really plan this. So I do a lot of mentoring and working with businesses um, of all sizes. Um, I do a, I do quite a lot of mentoring with London and partners. And this is a question I'll often get asked and they'll come to me and say, we want, we want a PR partner. Can you work with us? And in 90% of the cases, I, I turn them up, I turn them away and say, it's, it's not the right time. Um, and the reason is because they are, PR isn't the priority. So PR is an incredibly powerful tool for businesses at the right stage. So it's it's amazing for building reputation, you know, getting word of mouth out. It's about um, getting share of voice, about pushing your product out. And for a lot of businesses that are coming into like a tech space and it's an emerging tech um, platform, you know, it's often a scaling issue. So getting up as fast as they can. And often those companies have got investment and they're going in and they've got like a marketing person 
you know, a, a consultant such as yourself that's actually overseeing it. And that's a great time to be getting a PR agency in when you've got, you know, maybe a, um, you know, base level of a number of people. You've got a sales team, you know what your identity is and you know what your proposition is and you've got competitors sitting beside you. Um, often I will have people approach me and they are quite small. They are struggling to actually identify the product, their USPs. So this is where it really doesn't help is you don't have a clear proposition. You don't have a clear go to market strategy um, and you're flick flip flopping with your offering. So and you often get that with very small companies or, or companies that are just trying to find their space and they're going, I think we're this because this client we went to see them last week said this was important. Actually, but I went to a meeting this morning and I think it could be this. That is a kind of recipe for disaster because what your PR is going to do is it's going to put you in a position within the within the marketplace and that position really does need to stick for like six months so you're going to have to you cannot flick flack in terms of your your offering so you know one of the first things we will do is sit down with clients we will go through their what their offering is we will write that out in an editorial profile and that needs to pretty much stay um and you know we know at that stage whether a client is ready because if they're then they're backing off actually being put into that category that box that definition we know that they are just too early stage um the other thing that is very difficult is when you're working only with like a, an owner or a founder because we become the sunday night project so and that's really frustrating for everybody because we can see they've got an opportunity, but actually they don't have the time during the week because they are selling, getting investment, doing their day job. And then you've got this PR firm hassling because that's what it becomes, which is, oh, God, I know I need to do this and I'm paying for it. So they end up leaving it till Sunday night and then we get a flurry of emails on a Sunday night. You know, again, a really good indicator. So... Uh, if we can see any of those kind of things when I have, and I do all of the introductory calls in, in to Ginger May, um, and those are the kind of things I'm looking out for. And it's immoral for us to take that work on, in all honesty, because it will put them off PR, and therefore it will not enhance their company when they're at the right stage. Because they will say, we tried PR, it didn't work. Mm. And when I hear that, it's normally because somebody has taken them on knowing all these things and gone, so right, we'll sign them up to a contract they can't get out for six months, we need the business. And that isn't right for that company. And, and obviously, de it's detrimental to the PR firm, because it, it, it doesn't help them and their reputation. Um, but it, you know, the best thing to do is to give them the right advice, send them on their way, keep in contact, you know, you would hope at some point, they would come back when they're in a better place. And that obviously, that trust has been built then, because you haven't actually just jumped in and, and um, done the right thing for you and the wrong thing for them, essentially. But when it's right, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing <laughs> it's, you know you've got a great marketing team you know we've worked with you before Richard um you know two or three companies you've got a, a marketing expert who knows what they're doing uh, the, the company is ripe for taking out to market you know you can you can hit them with coverage almost immediately get them into opportunities and then they're in a position to use that coverage to then promote themselves and their company into market and then they can see the benefits of that really quickly and then it's really motivating for us and for our team who want to go out and do more so when you you hit it at the right time um it benefits it benefits the business and it also benefits us and our staff 
Yeah. So so timing and making sure you've got those foundational elements in place before you engage. Because I've I've certainly seen it where a couple of times where organisations almost kind of sleepwalk into into a PR engagement because they you know <clears throat> they think they've got what they need in place. They kind of get to a point where you know, the product is where they think it needs to be sales is kind of that's ticking along okay let's let's focus on marketing and often their first thought is marketing well let's get some pr out there yeah. and they don't put that level of thought into well what message are we actually what are we actually going to be talking about because we can't no one's interested in just the product and features and functions that and then uh once if you have got that nailed down have uh have you got the the ammunition to constantly be providing the agency or the consultant wh- whoever it is it's, so it's interesting to hear your because your experience because your experience in pr is obviously considerably deep in the mind but you you've had to uh endure um those organizations so you have a way of dealing with it now yeah and i think when we first started out um i would have potentially taken companies in fact we did and we had three or four clients that were too small and it became a painful exercise for everybody involved and um you know you learn from your mistakes it's it's test and learn all the time when you grow a business yourself and you know it's not the right thing for anybody when you take them on um and often you know i've done things like done favors for people given them a really low day rate and even then they don't really appreciate Mm. what's going into it because they themselves are not just not at the right point and they they genuinely think that pr is going to uh, you know transform their business in the way that an amazing salesperson with 25 years experience that knows the sector and is just going to come in and hit the ground they kind of assume it's going to be like that we know those salespeople are rare we know they don't come in hit the ground and transform a business within three months so why would any kind of marketing marketing's not going to do that either so they them are kind of kidding themselves about they need to take it on themselves they need to look at the sector um quite often what i find is they're looking to put the responsibility outside of themselves <clears throat> and the organization and marketing sometimes and pr as part of that will sometimes be the the silver bullet you know this is going to be the thing that's going to transform that business um and that's really frustrating because and i will be very honest about that actually when people come to me and and you know and i'm you know i know you are too you know you see the kind of issues and we don't always want to have be part of that so i'll often let businesses settle and sort those problems out and i will be honest with them as well and say i think you've got a problem with your sales team you know you don't have enough sales people you don't have enough salespeople on the ground, in my opinion, from what I can see, get all those things right, and we will help enhance the sales team, we will help enhance the product, but we don't want to take the budget, because actually, it will be, like genuinely, we'll be putting four times more time in than we should be, to try and, you know, all the senior time, I get pulled in, you'd get pulled in, it's problem solving, because the proposition isn't right, from the beginning so you don't want any of that you know that is not a good way for me to run a business or anybody else to run a business um and it's mm. just that painful and we will you know why do you come to work at the end of the day i want to work with great clients i want to have fun i want to deliver great work you know so you know up front you get to that point don't you with experience when you can see problems walking in and likewise when you can see a great client you know, you, you want that opportunity to be able to, I spoke to a sustainability tech client actually yesterday. We literally, I've literally rugby tackled them to the ground because <laughs> I see the potential, you know, we desperately want to work with them. So it, it works the other way too. You can kind of see those really good clients that benefit you and we all have fun with. 
Well, let's hope that this podcast comes out after you've signed a contract with them so they don't use those comments for leverage. <laughs> indeed, indeed. We'll, we'll know Monday, so you're not planning to publish before then, will you? <laughs> So uh, let, let's assume, you know, you, you, you're, you're a SaaS organization, you've got those foundation elements in place, you've decided to, you've got a, a clear message and you as an agency are excited to work with them, you, you, you get going. There are mistakes that need to be avoided after that point. So common mistakes would be, um, so from a PR perspective, the mistakes that I see others others making are what we would call spray and pray so just coming in and just firing off whatever you can to whoever you can and hoping something will stick essentially mm. that is a terrible um waste of time of the client and for yourself um so you really do need to have a very buttoned up strategy. So I, I mean, I used to be a CMO at Dentsu, so I'm used to working with marketing strategies. I've created marketing strategies myself. So we'll sit down with the marketing team. Um, you know, quite often clients don't have marketing plans that so we'll put together, you know, a working kind of document where we would sit in with, the, with their kind of broader picture of what they are actually doing. Um, so looking at, you know, who their target audiences are, any kind of profiles that they have of target clients. Talking to the sales team is always really useful as well because actually the sales team, they're there every day. They have their nose up against the coal face. They're talking to clients. They hear the objections. They know better than anybody else what the competition is doing because their bonus is often dependent on uh, converting sales um, and, and they're often going to competitors and trying to win, win clients over that are with them already. So having those kind of conversations is a really, um, is a, is really strong for us because we just get, you know, warts and all basically from, from a client. Um, and that allows us to then put together that really well thought out strategy. Now, it's a bit of a joke in PR when you say what kind of coverage you're looking for, and they're like front page of the FT, obviously <laughs> front page of the FT, um, and you know that is possible. We have had clients on the front page of the FT. We had a client in the FT last week. We had a double page spread for a sustainability client before Christmas. You can get this kind of coverage with with a proper strategy. Those strategies will often take years actually we had a client took us four years to get them into the ft it's not an overnight uh success story you know some get in faster you know one of our clients took three months last year to get in um but i would say that's a really nice to have it sometimes is that you need to have coverage in you know lower tier publications will actually often win you business so we will say to clients what is your goal so not only who are your clients where's your what's your customer acquisition strategy but what are you actually looking to achieve with the pr what what really is it and you know it is actually often to win business in which case you probably want to be in trade publications because that's where your clients that's what your clients are reading and it could be across different sectors within trade so the business and the nationals are actually around things like exit strategy and they're around founder strategy and actually that kudos for you to go out on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is a new strategy now. It's becoming much more, we were talking about this, um, around LinkedIn strategies. That is part of the PR strategy, but it's not the whole strategy. It's going to help you to get noticed, get investments, um, you know, and help the founder, particularly after actually they may set another business up afterwards. They're putting all these things down, having a really buttoned up strategy where you know what you're doing and why, and being brutally honest at the beginning is a really, a really strong, powerful thing 
to do and that will avoid the mistakes later on so you know organizations saying you know we only want um we did have a client actually last year um i met them at Mexico and they said we only want national coverage we're not interested in anything else i said well that's great we're not the agency for you um because i knew that they would whoever they go to they are never they are not they are not um brew dog you know they are they do not have stories coming out to allow them to do that um so again we could have taken them on it would have been a massive failure they wouldn't have got what they wanted to achieve so so that is really important and i would probably say lastly and it's really important which is listen to your pr firm like we talk to journalists day in day out we are not saying it for our own benefit we will mm. give you the best advice that, that we can you know we will be honest um our reputations rely on that as well but please you know unless you yourself are a pr guru recently i'm not talking about 10 15 years ago now because pr changes it's, it evolves all the time you know the models are changing the journalists are changing what they require is changing and um, do listen to us because we will give you the best advice for you um it's we're not going to give you this is the easiest kind of route for us we will genuinely try and get the best coverage we can but but do listen to us because we will tell you all the pitfalls um and that's why you're hiring us at the end of the day yeah because you have those relationships and they're hard uh, <clears throat> they're hard one aren't they and, and uh, as part of the plan um and this is something that you know maybe i've been guilty of in the in the past and i'm interested to hear whether you've seen it um uh, <laughs> hopefully it's not just me but uh it, it, it is also um you know when you're responding to journalists um you know timing can be crucial some of the biggest wins i've had from a pr perspective have been where you've been able to react quickly to a uh, request and sometimes that when when you're starting your 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 PR activity uh, maybe you haven't had that conversation internally as to well who's going to respond to this kind of inquiry or you know what is the sign off process on a on a bit of PR um when you know a deadline is looming and you've got to put together a release or you've got to put together a byline or, or whatever that can get really that can really hold up the process if suddenly someone comes out the world and says well I need to have input on that why have I not had sign off so I think that is well from my perspective that's something that needs to to be nailed down uh, early on is is that fair comment do you do you see some of that as well yeah, it's, it's the, one of the first things you do. I mean, we actually, in our kickoff call, that is one of the key questions. So we have a list of housekeeping questions, and that's one of them. So, you know, often if you're, you know, you said about press releases, um, quite often if it's a stock market listed company, you know, there is a really rigorous process that you have to go through for sign off, which you'll be aware of. Um, you know, it's key spokespeople, really important. So that's, again, you know, we interview them right at the beginning. Um, and due diligence, if you need to involve things like legal, that's also really important. So all those kind of key questions coming out up front. Um, you're right also about the fast turnaround. So much of PR now has changed to be much more kind of following the new cycle. So actually, that's a lot of that is on us as, as an agency. So, you know, we need to turn, we need to understand all of the nuances of a client to be able to write those responses. So we would never ask the client to write that. We would always write it ourselves so that we can give them a, an answer and say, we've seen this story, here would be our, here's our response so that they can literally get it to legal or the CEO or whoever they need to as fast as they can uh, to respond to it. And actually that kind of response those kinds of fast turnaround responses are the ones actually that get you the higher tier coverage. So they really are worth doing if you're able to support them within an organization. 
Yeah. Well, so you've you've already mentioned there how how PRs changed in terms of that that LinkedIn is now a bigger presence and of more relevance, and how follows the news cycles. Mm-hmm. What? How would you say that that SaaS PR specifically has sort of evolved over the last decade, and, and kind of where is it headed? So I think um, probably. So if I go back to the the, the previous recess, the going back three recessions now, if we count the one we're in at the moment, 2008, I was trying to remember how many recessions there were. Um, it feels like it's been recession gate recently. Um, 2008, I was in PR then, and actually we saw a huge transformation with uh, with journalists. So it's a, it is more, I'm going to say 15 years back. So what we saw then was news teams cut, literally decimated. So you'd often have a, a team of six or seven uh, reporters you know, you ended up after the recession with two, and suddenly they they were their jobs had totally transformed, and that was really when we saw the move from print to online, and and therefore they were having to produce much much more content. So what we saw was them having to produce maybe uh, you know five stories a day. They used to have to do that per month for the print editions. So uh, so their whole roles transformed, which meant a lot of the heavy lifting went onto the PR firms. Um, and actually what we saw was a transformation, you know, probably 10 years ago where journalists were having to really get to grips with a lot of the technical elements of SaaS companies. So there was a lot of education that the, the PR agencies were doing, uh, you know, awful lot of kind of background briefings. We were having to do a lot of writing for those reporters so that they really understood where the market was going. And I think that has um, that has continued. There is still a lot of education that needs to happen because of a lot of the, the nature of evolving tech a particularly emerging tech because it's coming out so fast and it's moving so fast that's why it's such an amazing industry to work in because yeah. you, you you can never not you know you're, you're learning every single day so i would say that that's been quite a big trend um i mentioned about the news jacking which is the, the sort of pr name for very fast turnaround pieces and mm. um, we didn't really we didn't really do those previously they have probably evolved properly in the last 10 years um, and are now about 50% of everything we do within PR um, and they are you know as I say incredibly effective we've got them honed now you know they, they, they took a while to kind of um, for the teams to actually work properly together but we have training sessions internally for newbies so they understand how to do that process um, yeah that that's been a real change and then I would say lastly um, the evolution of the peso model which is paid earned shared and owned so this model has kind of evolved a lot the I think shared is the, the latest acronym in the s um but what i'm seeing is and it, it makes me a little bit cross actually is a lot of paid for um placements being called PR um kind of bit naughty really you've got to be honest with the client you know we we, we use a news service to kind of bolster some of our press releases because journalists aren't as keen on press releases anymore we'll we'll tell clients we'll say this is paid for but i'll often see coverage coming out as coverage and it's not it's got the logo of the pr agency all over it and i'm like that's paid Mm. you're just paid like a grand for that and you're putting the client in that so what you're actually doing is copywriting which is fine if you call it copywriting not pr or paid for because that's what it actually is proper earned coverage is really hard work and you, you know it, it it comes at the expense of taking a lot of time and a lot of effort for PR agencies to do it I wonder sometimes if we are 
being idiots by by separating them out but i actually prefer to be transparent and tell the client what they're actually getting and i see a lot of companies not doing that which is a little bit frustrating um but there we go it, it'll wash out in the end i guess so um yeah where do you see um cpr sitting um in 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 the funnel and working with other sort of marketing disciplines and, and areas so traditionally pr has been upper funnel so it's been about you know raising your reputation and and um getting the word spread about but actually because of seo now um increasingly um we're able to link build with editorial earned editorial and actually make that exercise more of a lower funnel um, exercise mm. that depends entirely on the journalist and the publication so we can't control what they end up putting into their article their publication but we can certainly try so you know pr does bolster seo as i say the link building can really help particularly on the consumer side it's much more of a lower funnel activity with b2b tech SaaS, it tends to kind of it, it can go in between the two but um yeah traditionally more upper funnel but then there are other things you can add in other services that pr agencies are adding in to clients which is things like linkedin profiling which is 100 percent lower funnel activity and the way i like to think about linkedin is is linkedin is like your own walled garden you've got this amazing rich audience and I'm going to convince you to do more yourself, Dickie, because you are a great <laughs> writer. Um, it's a, it's a, a walled garden of your potential clients, your contacts, you know, people that you work with. And mm. what you're doing is, is you're pushing that content out to that audience. Um, and not all of them. These, these might be, you know, direct, you know, senior directors you've worked with years ago that have forgotten, they might recommend. So a lot of this is recommending on, they remember, oh, yeah, you work in PR, of course, I know somebody that's looking for an agency, and they recommend you on, for example, you can also use it for audience extension, you can buy obviously audiences on LinkedIn, um, as long as the content is right. So actually, it's it's not earned. But the PR agency knows the client well enough that you can go in and use LinkedIn as a kind of tool using the thinking behind um, how you would actually execute a PR campaign to do the same thing through, through LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is obviously traditionally top of the funnel, but, but often uh, you forget that, yes, you can create the, these byline articles, you can create, uh, you can gain this uh, this coverage and it can also be subsequently incorporated into some of your messaging later yeah. down the funnel so incorporating that content into some of your nurture tracks to engage existing prospects or, or, or customers so it's not just a one and done of the press releases out there or the byline has been printed yeah. but also making sure that you're you're using it in in other channels as well the other question which which i know you and i have talked about a number of times over the years but i think it is an important one because ultimately there is a cost associated with PR as with any other sort of marketing marketing channel and you you need to sort of discuss the uh, the, the the value and the the ROI how do you when you're speaking with your customers how how, how do you measure the value of uh, PR or how do mm -hmm. they measure it yeah we we have um, really comprehensive reporting to measure it and it is a really hard one because like any kind of digital activity which pr is now clients just assume you can completely measure it so you know that comes back to kind of attribution it's, it's the same arguments you know is it last click actually there was loads of other activities that went on in the background that helped 
within that customer journey and it's very hard to measure that when it's up a funnel um but we you know things that we do measure are things like share of voice and actually kind mm-hmm. of love that and that's in earned because we are being paid if we're being paid for earned we will only measure it in earned and clients will often say god yeah this this client they're they're everywhere um, and they are noticing this but there's a lot of advertising that's going on so we will and- manually take that out yeah, and by, and by share of voice, you know, uh, to sort of make it clear that that's that's sort of comparing that with the competitors. So you can go to a client and say, okay, well, this is what percentage of the conversation you're having versus your competitors. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you know, if you've got, we'll always ask for competitor names. We'll we'll look up against, you know, we'll we'll monitor up against three competitors mm-hmm. that are reasonable competitors. Google is not allowed in that model because we have had that before. Uh, that would literally take up the entire agency's time trying to monitor that. Um, but we are looking at all of the coverage appearances throughout a month, whatever they are, bylines, news jacks, interviews, and then we put those onto a chart. Literally, we just show them and demonstrate how many there have been. And then we equate that in a kind of percentage score so you get an idea of it, it, it gives you a really interesting picture, actually, and you can really deep dive into what the competitors are doing. Um, because if they're just doing press releases, you can tell they're not really investing in PR because press releases are just, you know, you can get a chat box to kind of put together a, a press release. You know, they're super easy. You whack them on the wire. It doesn't say anything. You just get this ridiculous coverage that is not in any way kind of deep or meaningful. You can get, you know, you can have a look at the bylines that they're writing, the longer form content. You can get a lot out of information out, particularly if you're reading that coverage. You can also tell when a client is looking to sell. So, you know, we can, I can take a look. I just, I, I guess I'm so used to it now. I can take a look at coverage and go, yeah, they're, they're looking, they're opening their books, they're looking to sell in 18 months. You can kind of tell from the type of coverage they're doing, they're, they're actually going after, the types of publications. Um, so <laughs> it, it, tell, it tells you a lot. So you should be monitoring your competitors and seeing what they're doing. And actually top tip for people that want to do their own PR as well is just have a look to see which journalists they're targeting and the types of types of coverage they're getting because those journalists are going to be very open to receiving content from competitors so it's it's kind of an easy place to start actually yeah is uh ad equivalency reports are they still a thing do you do you use them much or is that of the past yeah (laughs) i mean look i i think that i personally think advertising value equivalency is a um it's useful Hmm. the industry so industry bodies um like the plca um absolutely hate uh, AVEs, just because they hugely undervalue what PR does. So um, mm. just to explain what an advertising value equivalency is, you know, if you had a placement within a publication um, and it would cost you £6,000 for that placement, what the AVE does is it puts a multiple on that and says actually that placement was, you know, it's £5,000, but actually the advertising value of that is £30,000. And it mm. is that literally, you know, what what multiples you put on it and typically it's about 10 times so a five thousand pound placement would be you know you could say to the client that's worth 50 but again mm. that's the difficulty is how do you kind of justify that it's it's like a blunt instrument but some yeah. people like it they do like it because it gives you a final figure um in the same way that eyeballs gives you a final figure although it's a multiple figure so when you go to clients and say you know 50 million people saw this I would say, well, did my mum see it? You know, unlike <laughs> work in marketing. So it's a multiple people are seeing those placements multiple times, but you can't measure 
who exactly these people are. So, you know, PR has got the same issue as marketing and anybody within digital, um, but there are ways and means that you can kind of demonstrate this. And I would say that the, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, we have clients that we've had for 10 years. You know, most of our clients stay three, four, five, six years. So there is, you know, there is a lot of um, worth that's given to PR and it really does help bolster a company. And you yourself know if you're looking for, um, credibility you'll go online and you'll have i mean i do i go online and see what's mm. being covered and right. i like to see companies that are giving you know really nice you know really good strong deep pieces of information about the market their thought leaders they're looking ahead you know that kind of useful information does really lend uh, to a company's reputation and their credibility so yeah it's, it's really good um i know that studies from nielsen just on on the AVE studies from Nielsen have said that uh, editorial is about 90% more effective than advertising. So the kind of AVE figures are about right. <clears throat> Interesting. Mm. So, okay, we've got to the, the, the final question, which we've kind of partially answered already, but we're, we should probably uh, dig into it a little bit more. Um, yeah. Can I just ask first up, Room 101, are you familiar with the concept? I do you remember the show from the 90s? I mean, come on, I'm, I'm like a, you know, you, you know, I'm a youngster, so I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, no, I think I was probably drunk face down at university. Oh, okay. I, I've grossly uh, overestimated how how familiar people are with the concept of Room 101. They, Room 101 was a show with Nick Hancock, and every week there would be a guest. And you, the, 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 the format was that basically you got to put into Room 101 things you despise or hate or irrationally dislike. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, you know, good, clean, knockabout stuff. However, this the final question I always ask on this uh, is, you know, what's the one issue or thing related to your the, the topic we're discussing that you were put in Room 101? And I think... Oh, only one person that I've done this with has actually gone, oh, yeah, I understand that concept. Everyone else has gone, Room 101, I don't remember this niche <coughs> um, 90s TV show. And, in fact, I made the mistake with, with one guest uh, who was American that I, I didn't explain the concept at all. So, yeah, it, it, it all went uh, to shit pretty quickly. But, anyway, <laughs> let me rephrase. Uh, after all that background and context yeah. and fluff, let me rephrase it. What is the one... PR-related issue or thing that you would like to banish forever? So I would say that... So this is not something that clients do or anything else that we've talked about today. Or the in, it, It's mainly in the PR industry, and it is long working hours. So the PR industry has got a terrible reputation, and quite rightly too, because it is... You know, I've been... You know, I've been in PR now a number of years and I've been I've been made to work ridiculous hours, you know, midnight, two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Um, and it's it's totally unacceptable. It is really I mean, I run a business. We, we don't genuinely do not work long hours. Sometimes you have to. It should not be regular. If somebody's working long hours, we can see it on their toggle. We'll t we'll chat to them. We will um, put more people on their account. We'll take work off them. But there are lots and lots and lots of PR firms, and I do loads of mentoring with younger, you know, PR people in their twenties, and they're all working eight eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night regularly. Um, and it's I, I explain to them. I say this is a commercial model that your PR agency is using. It is all about profit. At the bottom, and, and my, one of my old bosses explained this to me once because she was doing it. 
And if you make somebody work two hours longer, if you make everybody work two hours longer, um, essentially you are gaining 15% on your workforce. So, you know, that's how it kind of works out. For every, every everybody is working that, you save one person uh, for every five people you're employing. That That's a lot of salary that you're saving. Mm. So that's pure profit that's going into the pocket of the owners or the shareholders. And that's all it is. It's just profit. So I think, you know, what companies are doing is they're probably trying to win business by maybe going in at a lower lower value for the for the mm. campaign and then the staff are actually taking the hit for that and they themselves are having to work longer hours uh, with you know and the whole thing about we can't get staff we can't get staff well don't take the work on in the story do not overstretch your staff you are doing that deliberately and you don't want to turn the money down because you want the money at the end of the day it is immoral so um, I've, I feel really strongly about this, always have, I've written loads about it. You know, there are other better ways to run your business um, where you can still make a profit, but you can do it sensibly. And that's yeah. not them. Well, that is a very credible and justified entry into Room 101. I was going to make a suggestion, but after that impassioned speech, I don't know whether I... Um, <laughs> I don't know whether my suggestion could. Go on, go on, tell me, tell me. <laughs> okay, well, we, we've already touched on it already, but uh, from you know, from the from the client side, the thing that I would uh, put into uh, room one one when you're producing uh, PR is the the too many cooks in the PR kitchen when you're trying to get something out the door approved or edited and approved and then people appearing out of the work who hitherto have not been involved in PR in any way, social form, but by their 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 sheer sense of self-importance wants to feel the need to be involved and that nothing can happen without them, uh, without any thought as to um, the fact that it's blown out of the water a plan that's been in place for, for months. Um, yeah, that is particularly aggravating. So that would uh, be going into Room 101 from uh, from my point of view. And you're coming at it probably from the other side, the client yeah. side. Um, yeah, we, we, yeah. Uh, we don't see so much of that. It's quite interesting because we'd be dealing with the professional that you would be, Richard. Well, exactly. Our firm from all the internal machinations and politics that are going on behind you. Exactly. I'd be shielding you from this uh, from this nonsense. In fact, yeah. I think you did shield us very well previously. <laughs> I'm for you. such a pro, so uh, wow. yes, 100%. What can I say? Listen, uh, Victoria, it's been an, uh, an absolute pleasure. I think that's been some jam-packed with useful advice on, uh, on all things uh, PR. So thank you very much for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure. Always enjoy talking to you, Dickie. <laughs> Take care. Take care. So that was PR, and thank you to Victoria Asha for joining me uh, on that one. Um, I'm sure you agree there's lots of awesome stuff to take out of that uh, and uh, think about when you're evaluating your PR strategy. I'm going to put lots of links in the show notes uh, to, to Victoria, to myself, to Gingermay, to some other materials that I think will be of, uh, of relevance and put this together. Uh, thank you for your time. Speak to you soon.